on a break dance, don't it? You want to know where break dance comes from? Doesn't that look like break dancing? Oh, really? Doesn't that look like break dancing? So the family in the in the countryside, this family that I was visiting, called on a praise singer to come. And so what he does, he'll come to you with all his drummers, and he said, "You are so beautiful. You are so kind." So they will just praise you in song and everything about you. So they told him to come, and so he praised me. He just you know, and I guess they must have paid him to do that. But then that's when I saw, oh my gosh, that's nothing but break dancing. <laughs> That that's there they were singing songs of praises. You haven't been to Africa yet, huh? No, not yet. And this again is all Mali, which is a Muslim country. So you can see the nice patterns on the walls. I love Mali. But you get to see. So these are postcards. Okay. You know, just to get a... Again, these are at the markets. It was so fun going to the markets, boy. I love going to the markets. Mm -hmm. I ain't seen no wild animals. I was going to ask, did you see giraffes? No. Yeah. But the Mali was a little more... See, this is where they used to live, up in the mountains like that. It's hard to see. The Dogon people. Where is this at now? Mali. Now, now, no, now we're Mali. in Nigeria. Mali. Somehow I got into Nigeria. I should have been able to. Nigeria. To, now we're in. Now we're, we were in Mali. Because this picture here, this is Mali. But these are Nigerians here. These are the family. When I lived there a year and a half, these are my family. So they came family, to see me. Yeah, we have family in Mali and Nigeria. Yeah, but in Mali, I was on. I was in exhibiting my art for three weeks. Wow. Nigeria, I lived for a year and a half almost. And on my art tour, I went to Mali, Nigeria, and Senegal. So this is me coming back for the art show. Like I hadn't been back in 20 years, so I came back. So these are like my Nigerian family, mostly all artists and their wives. Okay. Yinka. Here I am here. <laughs> wow. That's so tired. I had to borrow money from this guy. I ran out of money in Nigeria. And so um, I had to borrow money. This is my friend that I write about, she's paraplegic. Mm -hmm. And people would always come up and think she was me. Really? Yeah, y'all look alike Yeah, in that picture. And so I kept I saying, I want to know, well, who is Lola? You know, who is she? You know, and so Jimmy Shalanke was the number one actor there. So he arranged for us to meet at the theater. And then I took her, I had her go out, she would start going to clubs and hanging out with me, you know. Because <laughs> before she was just stuck in her bed. Yeah. But she got a life for a moment, and these are the dancers that came to dance for me when I went back, because I got sick. I was staying at his house, and I got sick. So, and I woke up, he had the drummers and dancers there, and it healed me. It was amazing. Just having them bringing out the drums and the dance and waking up to all that. 
I wasn't sick. I got healed. Now these are some of their uh, ritual shrines, the buildings that they make. And this is dealing with the fertility god. So if you didn't have children, or if you had children, you would go there and ask to be blessed. And these are some of the artwork of my friends. Okay, this was the woman of the night. And I got to meet her in northern Nigeria. And um, she was so nice and sweet. No, I'm saying that I saw her in western Nigeria. But she's from the north. And so if you don't have any money, they send the girls to the south. They won't let you prostitute in your, in your tribal area. You have to go to a different area. So she was prostitute. She said, you know, they wouldn't let her go to school because the Muslim religion, the kids, couldn't, the girls couldn't go to school. And she was really sweet. But this was all taken at that night. Um, so we were clubbing. These are journalists. That's the club. Yeah. <laughs> it's blurry. <laughs> it is. <laughs> and this is my artwork here. That's one of my art pieces. The picture in the back. And these are young artists. Um, Again, this is just at the museum. Now I should be in Senegal. Senegal was among my favorites because I got to live on the island of Gouray. Senegal. Senegal. And it's French speaking. Um, Mali is French speaking as well. Nigeria is English speaking, but it's really more developed in some ways. And this is, I uh, guess who that is, Angela Davis. Angela Davis? <laughs> oh, wow. And Senegal? She was staying at the hotel I was staying at, and this is the young man. I was staying at his house for a while, for at least two days, but the, the toilet was a hole in the floor. Mm -hmm. And so I couldn't use it, so I had to end up at a hotel. Uh, and that was Angela Davis there. With, she was traveling with a friend of mine. And this is his family. We Were stayed you guys there. friends? That's huh? Were you all friends? No, we, we, we got to meet. I knew uh, I, when I was in Berkeley during the time when she was coming through. So I got to know her sister a little bit. But one of my dear friends was traveling with her that day. Oh, okay. So I was her bodyguard once really? at an event. <laughs> <laughs> so we crossed, but we really Cross didn't pass. know each other, you know. Again, this is in Mali. This is in the slave quarters. This is the hotel I lived at. And these are the young men that just sort of protected me while I was there. But they just want to know things, you know. They just love meeting us but that was it so i like staying with his family but i couldn't use the toilet and this was the other guy that became real he used a magnifying glass and the sun and sit and burn these to different degrees oh wow i tell you 
Isn't that something? Mm-hmm. Okay, he's got the magnifying glass right there. He's burning it with the sun. Uh, here we're leaving. This is Gory Island here. This is where the slave port was. Oh, that's where the slave port One of the slave ports. Oh. It was all up and down the West Coast. But Glory Island, that's about my movie, is about this place here when I went to visit the slave house. And I guess we were just coming in into shore. So there's the ferry I get on and you come into the town. And so I stayed on that island for two weeks. And you get the, you get the tropical feel. And this here, I'm in the slave house here. Mm -hmm. And you see it? Yeah. That looks like a vacation at the top. It does, don't yeah. it? And I wrote about that. You know, you and think you were yeah, on a vacation spot. Oh, that's Senegal, right? And because look, here I am. This is the cafeteria. Oh, yeah. This is at Ongori Island. Mm -hmm. And Senegal? And Senegal. Senegal. Okay. You have to go. Senegal is yeah. really nice. Yeah, uh, for a first nice. country to go to, it's a good country to go to. It's your first country in Africa. The first first country in Africa to go to. Yeah, yeah. So I'm hanging out with the Rasta guys. They lived up in the mountains on this island, and the only English they knew was quotes from Bob Dylan's Bob uh, Marley Marley songs. So Bob they Marley. only answer in <laughs> songs. You know, he would only, that's how he communicate. The only English they knew at night. And this was one of his girlfriends. Um, so here we are at night. We would hang out at my hotel. One of his girlfriends. Those kind of things that you get to share when you travel. So we're probably talking politics and all kinds of stuff. And because uh, she was from France and he was from somewhere else. The rest are Senegal. So when you travel, you just meet all these different people. Yeah. 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 Again, this is uh, that's the the guy that did the gourds. Mm -hmm. This is near the hotel, near my hotel. Now here I am in the slave. These are me in the slave house. I'm in here. The door, no return. Like the slave house. That's the doorway. They call it the doorway of no return because that's the door they went out of. And, didn't and come they back. didn't expect them to come back. Wow. But I, of course, I got. Huh? I got better pictures that I can send you of, that was just me in the window. Because <laughs> I told you she was so annoying. Yeah, the <laughs> one I like, the one on, on the film. Oh, yeah. That one that you on the film. But she's right. It looks like a vacation spot. Look yeah. at it. Yeah, yeah that's pretty. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Now this one when I was a model. Yeah, I remember. Yeah, look at this tray. Your auntie used to model, honey. Yeah, but these weren't in magazines. I have some that was in magazines. Do you have some? I do. Mm -hmm. Always was the bride. I, I think, think this that, one came. Yeah, out this too. is my godmother, yes. Mrs. Braddon. Remember Mrs. Braddon? The one I lived with. Uh, yeah. In yeah. Uh, Miss Braxton. Uh, uh, Braxton. Braddon. Brax. Braxton. 
Wow, you got her picture. Yeah, so after I got married, wow. I came to get back into I drew this. It's her love bug. I love her love bug. She used to come, she came to see me in Chicago. Who her did? husband. Oh yeah, during that they time. She came, came out to see me in this little bug. Yeah. I will forget them coming. I was shocked. I was so surprised when they came to visit me. Yeah. We took a month traveling the United States to introduce him to my family and me to his. Yeah. I mean, they went all over with that little bug. There's that king. This is him. And this is one of the men they called uh, Dogon people, and they dress in this indigo blue. Mm-hmm. And he was, he saw me and he just pointed, I want to meet her. And the same time I'm pointing to him, I want to meet him. And so we did meet and he gave me a wonderful wooden piece of art, one of his art. So we got to hang out for a minute. That's a nice picture. Again, that's that show. And I don't know why these pictures are in here. These are all on my tour with my art exhibit. Yeah, so that was the opening, the art opening. <laughs> oh, wow, you got that. <laughs> I want a picture of that. Try to take a picture of that. And this is, guess who this one is? Grandma and Grandpa done. Mm -hmm. Grandma and Grandpa love Grandma and Grandpa yeah. done. You got the... I got the... <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Oh, man. Grandma and Grandpa done. They the most beautiful elderly folks. They were so wonderful. 1962, the year I graduated. That yeah, is our grandma, came. our adopted grandparents. And... I'm gonna, like I said, I'm not sure I have to send to you the other people that you're known. Yeah. Oh, look at, look at the hair. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. This is in Mexico. We were some dad dressed us. I mean, he, uh, Ayana and I had to dress alike, and Brianna and Singer dressed alike. That's the way Dad always dressed us, so we were all dressed alike. Here I'm in New York visiting Hazel yes. and them. Oh, no. I was hanging out with some poets that night. See, this here, was a, you take this That's me, yes. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's her with the... Uh, here it is Tan and Teresa Tolliver. These are some of my modeling is. pictures. That's the modeling. That's her modeling. This is you too? Mm-hmm. I never saw this one. And I had others too. Like I was in one. You took that others as yeah. well. I don't know where it's, they all are. I never, never seen it's a constant. Oh, I've never seen that one. This was um oh, my man. life when Nana took the, my money, didn't give me money for three months. He's the oh, one man. that took care of me. He's oh, a Lebanese. Man. He's Lebanese. Oh, but he was Lebanese. born in Africa. Oh. And this was my last boyfriend. That he's not the last person I love, but he was my last boyfriend. <laughs> That's the one I was in love with. Yeah. But I here I am watching uh, Stevie Wonder in Nigeria. Oh, look at that! Stevie Wonder concert in Nigeria. 
I don't know if you know Robert. Take that. Okay. I remember meeting him. You might. When I came to California. It's very possible. He's been my best friend for a long time. Again, these are festivals. They are festivals. Now, I don't know if you know who Queen Mother Moore is, but she was one of the most active women of her generation as an activist. Her name is Queen Mother Moore. Queen Mother Moore. Mm-hmm. A legend. That's Mrs. Braddon at the Catholic school. Here, let me turn it around. Oh yeah, at the Miss Braddon at the um, at the what's school. What's the name in um, where at Nonsborough, where the church was? Where? No, this is at St. Patrick. This is in Moments, Illinois. This oh, picture. Oh, Moments. Well, at the all oh, girls school that I attended. That's the school that I went to. Oh, uh, Hopkins Park. Yeah. That one Hopkins Park. Well, no, Moments. You know what I'm thinking about. Yeah, you're thinking of the little church. No, this is yeah. this is the school ground. Oh, okay. Where I graduated from. Good. This is mostly that's in this folder: magazines, articles. And, I got it, Granny. Yeah. I got it. These are um, all from performances or teaching. This is me teaching the bottom line. What were you teaching? I was teaching art. Art. And this is me in South America. It's in, you know, this is in Guyana. And this is the, was the president's wife. And she went and sent me a beautiful gift when I got back. But we sat there and talked like we were, yeah, I took my art there. And that's, now this is in Dutch. This is um, Suriname, but all in the magazine, the, the newspaper. Oh, okay, And this one again is in Dutch. That's where? Suriname, Dutch. Wow, that's and awesome then, that you kept up with all of this. This is amazing. This was in the African Times, dealing with my artist healing. Yep. Look at that picture. <laughs> yeah, now this is in Lagos. This is uh, the, in Nigeria. Another Nigerian article. Now this is me doing a workshop in the park, teaching kids about Africa. I used to teach the after school program, so I'm showing them how to wear African head wraps. And, and this is about a movie that was made. 
It's another movie that's made, and it's highlighting three disabled artists called Picture Me Able. And he's one of the artists, and I'm one of the artists, and they don't have the third artist in this. But here's that picture. I like this picture. It's pretty. <laughs> so pretty. And this was in the newspaper. And it says, Best Bet for the Weekend. Were you or I can't oh, coming that's to nice. teach? I like that. That's Best a bet. beautiful picture there. Mm -hmm. That is. That's a beautiful picture. And so when I went to this place, and it was upstairs, and so I got out of my chair. I must have had someone with me. I got out of my chair and scooted upstairs because I, I was getting ready to perform. Oh, and when I got to the top of staff, I looked up, and there was a sign on the bulletin board, Guess who will be here? Ryua IT Shagun is coming. I'm thinking, oh my God. <laughs> and this is the picture they had on the wall. Best bet. Oh, wow. For, for the week. Wow. Again, that's the desert. Again, that's that Bartik. Uh, that's your art piece. Yeah, that's yeah. It's called Bouquets. If your dad is not going to live with you, then you need a dad like ours, Connie, Ida, Judy, and mine. Her eyes always remain large and full of wonder when dad was near. Dad would take us to plays, real plays, with whimsical costumes, lights, red, yellow, and blues. Velvet curtains that actually opened and closed, revealing theatrical set that could instantly change your location. Sounds and movement that taught me how to take page off words. I sat with my mouth wide open with eyes that were never closed. I didn't even want to eat. You want something from the snack kind of daughter? I couldn't even say no thank you. I shook my head quickly from side to side holding my hands up trying to stop the words frightened that my dream would end. From then on my books became movies. My father gave me the power to leave the ghetto. He fed my active imagination that caused other choices to come to me. One time, after a play, Dad took us to a restaurant. Now, I can't honestly remember if we had food or not being in a dream state at all. However, I rejoined the real world when a banana split was mystically placed in front of me. My eyes popped out of my newly warm sockets again. Have you ever seen a banana a foot long? Ice cream that didn't have a top. Chocolate syrup that made you wonder if you ever had any before with walnuts, pistachios, crunchy nuts you never heard of, or tasted cascading the side of vanilla, chocolate, strawberry, ice cream mounds. Whipped cream mountains you can jump into like a cloud. Daddy's girls fell asleep, had and I barely eaten boats. We didn't want to give them up, and, and I dreamed. Not only did I dream becoming an actor, I became the clown, the woman on the trapeze, touring with International Circus. At skating rink, she would have found me in the center, practicing my jumps, my spins. In school classes, I became a lawyer, a teacher, an architect, a doctor. At home in my closet, I discovered that I could dance with characters and books Danced to other parts of the world, all flowing from a bouquet of flash flowers hand-picked for me by my father. 
There was purple roses, poppies, birds of paradise, blue gardenias. Each one had the ability to create amazement for a desperate child. I knew I snatched them from my dad's hands. I was thirsty. One amazing Christmas afternoon when the Chicago sun melted away the sun, it raised painted cartwheels and somersaults tumbling us kids outside onto the block. Dad unannounced pulled up in his diesel truck. Now in the projects of Chicago, this was a big event. In no time at all, the truck was surrounded by pocketfuls of neighbors. His truck was always something to behold, clean and shiny, bright red. The glittery lights placed artistically around his truck could never outwitter his name placed on the side of the door, James Arnold Williams, owner, Big Red. Dad jumped onto the running board, pulling the horn, beep, beep. He tossed his jacket into the cab of his truck. His arm bulged with muscles, his dimples showing through his smile as he pulled his hair from his eyes. You would have seen, you wouldn't have seen a more handsome man. People always told us, your father looked like a movie star. And we would agree. We even thought he dressed like one too. At any time, he could have walked in and taken Cecil Romero's place. He just didn't want to. As we carried the envy of the neighborhood, we beamed. Now, this particular Christmas, Dad had three men with him, all showing nearly as many muscles as my father. But one sweep, Dad picked all four of us up, placing Judy on his right shoulder, me on his left, and Ida and Connie in his arms. We held on with hugs and excitement that could suffocate a normal man, but he was man past man. Carrying us into the house, bouncing, laughing, talking loud about his daddy's girls, asking us, how's my girls? How are my beautiful girls? He then would tease us with, who you love? Each one of us trying to outlove the other. I love you, daddy. No, daddy. No, daddy. I love you. I love you more, daddy. Daddy, daddy. But I love you more than the world. Dad began to sing, you are my sunshine, my only sunshine. We made Dad happy when skies were gray. We were loving so Daddy so much that we didn't even notice his helpers following us into the house. They were loaded down with wonderfully wrapped boxes all sizes with rainbows or ribbons that made you want to twirl around in circles. They made three trips from truck to house, truck to house, truck to house with boxes that went past their eyes. That day, fairy tales became true. That day, Santa Claus awakened out of his dormant grave and smiled on us. That day never happened again. Once was enough. From that day on, I knew I was special. <laughs> Have you heard that? Have you heard that before? No. Okay. Uh, this is a letter from uh, people I could have been, and it's uh, it's about my travels to South America, looking for my African presence in in Af in South America and as me. So I was writing uh, letters home, and so this. And it's like dear homegrown, and homegrown is anyone who can understand my journey. Okay. So, uh, so dear homegrown, 
homegrown as Pearl Sharp, my editor and sister friend, wrote me from Los Angeles and said, I left my readers perplexed. Sort of hard to believe you're reading over sex unless we understand why you don't want to open the physical door. How do I show you, homegrown, that it's really true? My love for books is physical. I would need to gesso my cameras a bit with a bit of history first to explain. My mother taught us the value of community involvement and how to stand up for ourselves. Mama would collect food from the bread line and share them with those that was less fortunate. She always was taking in abandoned children to add to her tent, saying, what different would another one make? We thought it made a lot of difference until they pried open our hearts. It usually only took a day or two. Mama didn't know how to sit on the sideline either. She would be in the parking lot fist fighting in defense of a darker child who was being taunted or in the name of fair play. We would add our thumbs if she was getting the worst of it. Most of the time that wasn't necessary. Mama told us how to look at all people with respect. Skin color, she said, should not be one's measuring stick. In New York, my sister Judy would start fighting on a dime. Did you see how she looked at me? I didn't see nothing. One time, another sister, Ayana, stuffed her fist down a teacher's throat because the teacher fed Ayana's daughter some spoiled food. Ayana came up to school talking about lunchtime. Then she took a tray of cafeteria slop over to the teacher who was questioning her present. She backed the teacher in a chair with her tongue. Ayana pinched the teacher's face between her middle finger and her thumb. The teacher's mouth perked open like a fish. Ayana force-fed her and demanded, don't you ever, and down with another potato, do this to my child, the tainted meat, or anyone else's child. She stopped the choking by feeding the teacher warm milk. Which water fountain do you think I went to? It was a time when homegrown Africans could no longer stand in lines for colored only or hobble to the back of the bus. A time when segregated lunch counter in the south was dismantled with, serve me, I am ready to die. So there was no other choice. In the tradition of my family, my mama, I put on my boxing glove and became an activist. I started out peaceful enough. Was part of JFK's voter registration drive in 1964 and carried anti-racist picking sign while humming, We shall overcome. Then a hundred Burgundy signs, burn, baby, burn, erupted, igniting college cancer rebellions off a spark. On the UC Berkeley campus, a few of us non-smiling Africans, as an act of self-defense, commanded an empty office space declaring, Black Student Union is alive and well. We demanded an increase to third world employment, professors, and studies. Black studies, Asian studies, Chicano studies, Native American studies, and plus the end of the Vietnam War. Many black student union members became human shields for the Black Panther Party and defended of brothers and sisters in prison. Vacaville, Soledad, and York Detention Centers. After one such visit, the visits were so riled up after our presentation, they burned their barracks down. And we were supposed to teach U.S. history, but our revolutionary rhetoric was thick as our afros. Anyone who call on a pig is a pig. 
During that time, I married Ethelbert Hashan, my king shagoon. He was my best friend and comrade for four years before we kissed. Hand in hand, in the late 1960s, we became citizens of the Republic of New Africa, free land, a national organization preparing a black nation within the United States. We were representing for our country the state of Alabama, Georgia, Louisiana, Mississippi, South Carolina. Remember the times of Rome. I was Minister of Culture and Education for the Republic of New Africa Western Region and co-founder of the elementary school in Oakland, California. At the world was the original president. We became sharpshooters. In Mississippi, I was one of two women who stood guard with the men in defense of the land attacked from the Ku Klux Klan. Atherero and I was on the verge of becoming terrorists. We were pushed. It was after King's assassination. I was going to conceal an automatic weapon under my nun, having run chat chat and by any means necessary. There is so much more to tell, but that's another story, another time. Well, perhaps just a little. My activities in the 60s left me in this wheelchair of my chariot. A wounded soldier spine traumatized by a bullet from a 357 Magnum, shot by someone within my own black nationalist organization. And after world was properly responsible. For three months, I was not expected to live. Stop interrupting. I keep saying that's another story. I'm not emotionally ready to tell that story yet. Another time, now let me go on. Trust me. The CIA and the FBI had a way of making us fight among each other. Listen, please, I'm on a path here. Let me go. It was a hollow room. Too much white leaves you empty without air, with little hope and fewer expectations. Within a solitary bed, swallowed by blankness, by ticking monitors in place of human touches, tucked in by silence eyes, by time waiting, I soared. I had to. I soared past new normal human perception. I knew the lifeless in body in the bed I was looking down upon was me. Yet fear never disturbed me. I flew into the hallway, into the waiting room. I hovered overhead. It was packed. My students, my family, everyone, my friends, comrades. Their weeping sounds tracked on to adulation and to prayers. Judy was there too. Mama was surrounded by my dearest friends. She was telling funny stories about me. She was trying to make people laugh, trying to soften the bullet. My high school student from the black house was consoling each other. Two clung to the wall in the rear corner of the room in disbelief. They were comparing me to Malcolm X. Me. My, my twinkle became a sparkle. I soared back into the hallway. Malcolm X. Then into the main lobby, Malcolm asked. I was feeling good and headed for the hospital door. I was like, Malcolm X? If I had gone out that door, I really believe I would have journeyed into another world, a serene world, no physical body. I think that on the planet is the only time we ever experience the physical pain and pleasure. That's why we kick and scratch and bite to stay. It starts in the birth room. I wanted to go out that hospital door, but I got thinking about everybody sobbing. I felt their tears, so I floated back to them, so it's all right, it's gonna be okay, don't worry, don't, don't, don't hurt. 
I want to at least pat them on their shoulders. Oh, oh, don't cry so hard. I lingered outside my closed hospital door. I paused if expecting someone to let me in, me who never waited for anyone to open the door. I mean, I could never understand why women want to do that. Society always wanted paid women helpers, always want us to give up power. I waited, but it wasn't for the door to open. There was no need to open the door. I didn't use the door. Which world did I want to be in? Did I want to rejoin the physical? Should I cross over? Perhaps if I was Muslim, I would have heard Allah. Maybe if I was Christian, I would have heard Jesus. Conceivably, if I was Buddhist, I would have heard Buddha. But my God is in me and in you. As I pulled deep into my belly where my inner voice is stored, a voice that lies idle most of the time, and most likely it was just my ears that was dormant. She, my spirit guide, put it in words. Can you live and be in a wheelchair? I didn't panic either. In fact, I have never been so calm. And I didn't miss my body because it had very little to do with the being. I bet you couldn't miss anything in that realm full of stars and lightning bugs. If this is death, then dying could definitely be an option. Fear of death died, not just for that moment. When the fear of death leaves you, it seems as if all fears leave. And if I die, what happened then? Can electrons, protons, neutrons be destroyed? Isn't it true that matter and energy can only be transformed? It was a critical question, so I took my time to give it serious consideration. What seemed like hours were probably merely seconds. Gone was ice skating, roller skating, running into waiting arms, walk to work, climbing the stairs to my San Francisco flat, hiking in the Berkeley Mountains, no more spiking at the volleyball net, no more attempt to dunk at the basketball hoop or attempting a bowl of purple game. No more foot movements on the dance floor. No more shaking the booty. Vanish. Puff. Gone were those days. Yet I surprised myself and answered enthusiastically as if I was offered a white dove. Yeah, yeah, I can live and be in a wheelchair. There's things I still have to do. I left my body many times during those critical months and have left it many times since. We don't have to suffer or be near death to find ominous to ancient healing ways. Probably we're more attentive when we are hurting, though. Dr. Johnny Rayyard, the Reverend at St. Paul's Community Baptist Church in Brooklyn, New York, said, Angels are merely one's ancestors. Can it be that Harriet Tubman, who is known for leading us down trails, or Uncle Fred, who never closed the door on anyone, or even one of your ancestors might find a way to crack open the gate a bit? Ring a bell, ding-a-ling, ding-a-ling. I don't want to go on. It could go on for long. <laughs> and it goes on dealing with... But... <laughs> so, but it goes more into the, the, the shooting. I didn't go to the shooting. Let's see if I can find... The section on the shooting. That's why they, they always have heard of these storytelling with UCLA and all that. They're
Okay, I'm going to skip over to this part. Oh, okay. Being a paraplegic did not disable me. I stroked my wheelchair. In my Volkswagen convertible, it sits beside me in the front. Passengers ride in the back. My dread flies to rhythms of wheels spinning. No, no. Being a paraplegic did not disable me. It was my physical pain. Torture that seemed to begin the moment I decided to live. It was enough to make me consider retreating. If a sheet would touch or if a slight breeze would stare a hair, one hair on my leg, sound from buried nightmares will be evoked. The pain grew worse from there. Each year it grew hungrier and more relentless. Just writing this to you, even though I have found some pots of gold at the end of flirtatious rainbows, the storms are still coming. I am rocking as I did in my last year of pain, my 17th year. Oh, I hope I don't start turning my computer. And memories, but why are memories so vivid? Why are my knuckles drowning? My ancestors' wings are holding me. I'm going to skip. I thought I was closer to this. So I'm talking about how I rock all the time when I was in pain. And so I'm, I'm telling homegrown, rock with me, homegrown. Come on. Right like you smell the stench of a slave ship, come on. Right like worn torn babies plucked from the cradle of your mother's arms, come on. Are you rocking like the person who doesn't want to die? Add a book to your hand while you shower and let your brain. Try to read. Me, couldn't hold a book skill. Couldn't hold focus on the word. Could barely manage to finish one book a year, but that's not reading. I'm still not looking for the part. So... Um, anyway, I'll just read it real quick because these go on and on and on. Um, okay, I'm going to do a little bit of Ancient Storm. But you wanted to hear about the... Of course there were good times. The times we came home for lunch and found hot biscuits in the oven. Are the times in the summer nights when campfires were made to keep the mosquitoes away while the neighbors came out to laugh, talk, while we children played hot potatoes or Red Rover, Red Rover, Lady Lane come over. Are the times I looked over Mama's shoulders to learn how to sew? Are the times in the winter when we would snake out in the night and throw hot water on the concrete area wore the wash on so that we could have an ice skating rink the next day. There really were some good times in Allgale Gardens. Allgale Gardens is on the edge of Chicago, just south of Roseland, a housing project held at bay by a barbed wire fence, a fence that held off the world from an ignored people, a fence that made it easy for us to stay within. We were placed on Block 10. Yeah, it's, it's okay to think of a prison. My mother, who was always pregnant, my stepfather and my brother, Charles and Connie, Ida, Diane, that's me, the fourth born. Then came Judy, my best friend, who was first set, even though Charles had a different father. There was a six-year gap before Mama remarried and the second set began. Ricky, Sam, Keith, and Baby on the way, making 11 of us. We were squeezed into a three-bedroom apartment. It seemed large enough. 
Within this self-contained city, within a city with all hues of blackness, rhythm was our common thread. Rhythms, poverty, and self-defense. I walked around with fists as tight as a guitar string that was about ready to pop. My teeth were in a constant grind. My back was always against the wall. I fought realism with invisibility. I didn't want the hands to find me. Hands. Hands of all colors, yet no colors. Hands of all sizes, yet no sizes. It's in the tone, the reach, the smell, the texture. Tone of command, an octopus reach, a predator smell, the texture of rough. Move in secrecies behind closed doors. Crooked index finger point. Poking at scared stock. Digging, planting, what goes on in this house stays in this house. Reducing all Ten Commandments into Thou shall not, Thou shall not, Thou shall not. I knew the hands found Connie and Ida. Connie said the hands found me too. You see, I started protecting myself with forgetfulness. I knew something I saw or something happened to me that chased me into the closet. I don't know what. There I was in my bedroom closet, squatted down deep in the corner. I felt like I was under the floorboard, like my back had melted into the wall. First I shook uncontrollably, displacing my memories with a vacant stare. Then a calmness baptized me. Late in the night, after my brothers and sisters were asleep, I crapped out and laid in my bed beside Judy, motionless looking for movement in the ceiling, something I could hold on to, searching for God. My arms were submitted at my side with bald red fists, listening to those hands telling my mom to watch me because I'm weird, strange. She agreed. In the morning, I picked up all my carriage, gathered all my breath, placed it into one big hole, and rushed back into the closet. I stuffed my memories into our shoes and the hymns of our dresses. Memories of my mother returning home after the birth of Keith, finding her daughters naked as we walked around the house with the hands excused, they need to know their bodies. Mama immediately put a stop to it. Her reward was another beating. My trembling visions of Ida and Connie when they were ordered to sit on the piano bench with legs spread apart by the hands that threatened a beating if they clothed them. Afraid I was going to be next. Afraid I've already been next. I took the memories of hands and stuffed them through the rat holes. Ida would notice my absence and ask, where's Diane? Charles would tease, oh crazy four eyes in the closet with a flashlight in the book, you know she weird. Judy would start pounding her little fist on Charlie's leg, crying, she not weird, she not, leave her alone. From the age of ten, the closet became my sanctuary. Miraculously, when I closed the door, the noise, the teasing, the pushing, the fears would see there was a God. Silence. Sweet, sweet silence. My thoughts were audible, dream animated. I danced into the warmth of the womb. My lips went straight to the breast, sucking, sucking on books for nourishment, from comic books to Connie's True Love magazines, which I found under her mattress. To Mama's Reader Digest, Jet Ebony Life, school books, everybody's school book. I read anything I could get my fingers on. 
Occasionally, a teacher would give me a real book to read. Mama never addressed the hands. She did move us away from them into the city. But after about six months, in the middle of a cold, rainy night, Mama picked up the notion to pack us and all our belongings into the car. We were suddenly moving to the country to Hopkins Park. About an hour and a half from Chicago, we kicked and screamed. We thought she had lost her mind because this place was the country. We had an outhouse. But really, Mama was attempting to save her children from crime and drugs, ways of the city. I think she was getting scared for my oldest brother, Charles, or perhaps she just wanted a slower place for herself, for us, a place that would slow down our heartbeat. Mama Bloom, bloom like the sunshine peeking before the rise. Her beauty surfaced ten times more, her emerald eyes now shine like diamonds. Into country sun, Mama's skin tanned to the glow of varnish honey. Her thick brown hair now tumbled down Mama's head in waves that could make the Atlantic Ocean seasick. Her smile, that smile that never caught the corners, now created their own. Our closed doors now flung open. Our house was full of wonderful, wonderful fresh air. Breathing was a dance. The walls carried deep gutted laughter spinning throughout our dreams. At the end of the school day, Mama would be waiting in the middle of the road for us with bat in hand so we could play baseball with her. We have the perfect mom when she without those hands. Do you remember all that? You never heard me read that, huh? And I did this in public and um, uh -huh, and I had Connie and Ida there and you had me there. You had no, you weren't there. My first time reading it, and I went to them and told them I about it. I had because she she was real upset at first about me telling her story or whatever. Yeah. But she came to the event, and so as I'm telling the story, I'm making dolls because that I know the the yeah. thing about hands. I wanted to see hands do something positive as I told the story, and then I would pass them out to the audience. And uh, and just before I started reading, I went to Connie and Ida and told them, anytime you feel a pain, come up and get a doll and pass it on. And I got, she'd be there, give me another one, give me another one. <laughs> she was just, oh, just the kind. Then uh, Carmen just finally came and asked for one too. And then even someone in the audience who had gone through that asked for a doll. You know, it was just a real powerful piece that I performed many times. Nana started coming to it because at first when I did this, she called me a skinhead from telling that story because she was so in love with Steve. Because you didn't hear the part when I talk about Steve, but that's just part of it. So what did mom think when she saw it?